All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show. Happy Monday. If you're still in bed, enjoying your day off, thanks for listening to the pod. We're doing our Immaculate Grid, and we got some insight from the text line. First of all, I meant Ian Cole, not Eric Cole, so got that one. Good thing I didn't type it in because you don't get any X's. You don't get a chance to miss. So we asked for somebody that played for the Islanders and the Bolts, and we got a Wendell Clark submission and a Curtis McElhaney submission. Which one would you like to load in here for our first ever? Uh, I think we need to go... Friend of the show? Wendell. We need to go Wendell. We are a winner. Nine for nine. First time <laughs> here. I had to get a screenshot of that on our very there first Immaculate Grid. So. I mean, we needed a commercial break in our text line, but we got there. Hey, it's team effort. Speaking of the team, Gord Stellick, former Maple Leafs GM coach of Leafs Nation on Sportsnet 590, the fan joining us this morning. How's it going, Gord? Well, it, it is good, but I was listening to your immaculate uh, what uh, grid, and yeah. oh my God, you're supposed to be like a holiday Monday first thing in. That was like serious. <laughs> I know. Serious. You would be homework. good at that, actually. Do you, do you have a Lightning uh, Islanders other than Wendell? Lightning Islanders. Is that's like, a hard one. I went one. through Light, the list. I God, came up with Mark Par- Parrish, but like other than that, there's no wow. one that's that that wow. uh, stood out to me. <laughs> there, there's, uh, um, I'm sure they're all there. Like it's just one of those. It's like playing Jeopardy at home and you do great, and then you're actually the person playing it, and you have to come up with the questions, and you can't. So, with the time I, running down, too, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. It's also the kind of game I think, even though I enjoyed it, it's kind of like when the party's going slow, Ailish, and you bring it out, and you kind of go, oh, let's play a game now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, hit and miss, right? Hit and miss, right? So I'll anyway. send you the link. You can play. I love uh, <laughs> I love good. a children's Jeopardy where I can just dominate oh, yeah, and, and feel really good about myself. It's like, name of hockey team in Buffalo. <laughs> oh, but that's also yeah. the best when there's when there's a sports category on the real Jeopardy, and they have no idea, and, and you you're just, it. like, rhyming them off, and you feel great about yourself. <laughs> For about two minutes. Uh, I felt really bad about the Toronto Maple Leafs for a couple minutes uh, when Ryan O'Reilly went to Nashville, Gord. Uh, You know, this is before Bertuzzi. This is before Klingberg. This is before Max Domi. Uh, This was given uh, Leaf fans a reason to be concerned about what it was in their room that was wrong because it seemed like a guy who wanted to win, wanted to be a Leaf, was from the area, wore the Maple Leaf proudly. You'd think this guy would be want to be a part of this and not be a guy who's just about vibes in Nashville. When you heard about Ryan O'Reilly's decision, were you at all concerned about, or extra concerned, excuse me, about what was happening in the Leafs room? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was. And it, I, again... You know, it's just just one player, but it's a it's a it's a player that actually read the room well in Buffalo, and they regretted making the move to St. Trade into St. Louis, where he like he did in Colorado. He was just a consummate pro on and off the ice, and knows what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. So, I had heard him a few weeks ago, if you guys remember, kind of allude to we could do th- we could have done some things differently. Right, mm-hmm. it just kind of lay out there. You said, "Okay, I don't know." Okay, so fine. Free agent's going to come, and Ryan O'Reilly will either go back to St. Louis or he'll come to Toronto if um, if offers are equal. And you know, St. Louis isn't where he went back to. Uh, we got just great Ryan O'Reilly E60. The guy's an Ontario guy. Phenomenal story about you know his 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 parents raising all those foster kids, and he's part of it, right? Living in the house, just a great about forty three foster kids over the years. Then a couple years ago. The mom donates the kidney to the guy who had, who runs the arena in town, who ran it all those years when they'd call him and can you open it early so the O'Reilly kids can come. I mean, it's just this wonderful, wonderful story. You talk about salt of the earth. You talk about everything, never mind a hockey player, anything, everything you want in the fabric of any individual, any family. I mean, they've got it. And then he gets offered the same money. And, you know, I, I again, 
Um, I've heard some people now say he hated it here. And I'm going to say what? Like he talked about how well everyone got treated, you know, whatever. Maybe does he feel some people get treated too well, too much like rock stars that I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm speculating. Mm-hmm. And there isn't the willingness to what he feels pay the price here to win it all. I don't know. And I don't know if we're ever going to find out. But certainly that is that was the big story on Saturday, to your point, because there were no big stories till Sunday <laughs> for the Toronto Maple Leafs regarding additions. Yeah, it was like the dream come true until it wasn't. It's a tough pill to swallow, but it looked like Ryan Reeves being the addition early, but the first thing the Maple Leafs really did might be like the offset or the the counter move to having a locker room guy that basically in his introductory press conference was like, I'm going to make this room a team. I'm going to work really hard to bring the vibes, bring the positivity. That's like his biggest skill set and punching people. (laughs) Do you think that that was like a really calculated move? I know obviously he can bring a lot in terms of physicality, but locker room, you're missing somebody now that kind of left with a little bit of a a distaste towards what might have been going on behind closed doors. And you bring in a guy like Ryan Reeves who basically prides himself on that. Well, you know, and, and then, you know, to that point, I'd said this for a few years, why is Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton, and whenever someone's being brought in, it's about Patrick Marlowe. It's, oh, they need leadership. Well, wait a sec. Wait a sec. They got a great young core of players that should be becoming the leaders. And again, I don't know, you know, what that is. So, so maybe in some ways, Ryan O'Reilly did everyone a favor mm-hmm. by telling it like it is. And maybe those inside the dressing room understand that, okay, you know what? This guy maybe did as a solid. So to get back to the other point is Ryan Reeves seems to be, and Max Domi, uh, you know, and John Klingberg seem to be those kind of guys that, you know, the, would be positive ads in the dressing room. I mean, that's not solely why you get them. But I, you know, it's funny. I started Saturday by saying, because Brian Burke has always said, general managers, you make your biggest mistakes on trade deadline day and on free agency day. Your, your worst contracts are out there. So I kind of was kidding about, okay, for every John Tavares for the Maple Leafs, there's been David Clarkson. There's been Tim Connolly. There's been Jeff Finger. There's been Mike Komasarek. There's been Jason Blake. I mean, you know, just by and large, Thinking a free agent's going to be the answer. They're not the answer. They're kind of a spice to the big ingredients. So I think, you know, Ryan Reeves added that spice. They do, you know, this whole debate about toughness, the whole debate about if, if, if you, do you need a guy like Ryan Reeves on the bench so if Austin Matthews gets manhandled or something, they can't take those same kind of liberties. You know, Matt Martin really couldn't do that role a few years ago, but it was at a different time. So I'm cool with... All three of those signings, especially the latter two. But again, that toughness one's always a funny animal because there's a team toughness that one person's not going to come in and instantly make your team tough. I mean, it's got to be an overall thing. It's got to be an overall kind of element to the culture. Yeah, I mean, I think there is merit to Reeves in a couple uh, different avenues. I think, you know, I I do think there is part of it that's going to be just, hey, can we fix what's going on internally? And this is one of the guys who uh, maybe is going to have more of an impact than, say, a Ryan O'Reilly who wanted things done a specific way. And maybe that's just not how it's done. But I think Ryan Reeves maybe could be more complimentary in that sense. But you know, to the overall point of this conversation is like, you know, they signed an $11 million player to be their captain. I, I just don't think leadership should 
be as big of an issue. And if we're injecting anyone with true serum right now, I, I want to know exactly what Ryan O'Reilly is thinking because then we could really get to the heart of the matter. Uh, maybe Ryan Reeves can make some inroads there. But again, I think this has to be uh, sort of fixed from within if there is a leadership or culture issue. But there may not be a toughness issue because as we've been talking about, you know, Ryan Reeves clearly gives you that. He's maybe the toughest guy in the league. And with Bertuzzi and Max Domi, uh, at least in terms of two of the top three lines, you're going to have a tough dude playing on two of those three lines. If not, I guess maybe they could play together, but I doubt it. Uh, Those two guys, you know, we can talk about faking toughness and whether or not you have enough of it. Can you just add one player and be tough suddenly? If you add a player to every line, uh, you can be definitely a little tougher. Do you think that they've, they've, fix something that was an issue by adding the toughness in Domi and Bertuzzi and what that can do to a top nine with the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I say I think they needed something different than Alex Kerfoot. You know, when you, you know, I don't want Mitch Marner or Austin Matthews to fight, and they're certainly not untough. Okay, but they're, they're elite players. They're generational players. You know, and so uh, so when you so you want to surround or complement them with exactly what you're talking about so i the, the, that's that's exactly the the case i mean I, I i think luke shen was a great example about bringing that that's why he was the one guy that i was disappointed but i certainly understand with the uh, the money line hey he got the, he got the bigger contract for the first time for the what he did with the maple leafs in a short period of time his body of work here including the playoffs which you couldn't say that about uh, uh, very many of them that many of them that you were happy about their work in the florida series but you know the, it just showed when you know just a little bit there and and hey Morgan Riley should be a great defenseman without Luke Shen, but whatever the reason was, he played his best D with Luke Shen as his partner. So you know, just that's that kind of element that a guy can bring in and add that particular. I'll use the word spice again, and I think you know those guys can do it in forward. And to your point, yeah, you want you'd like somebody on. Uh, somebody on every line that really has other teams making sure they keep their head up. And see, this is particularly in the playoffs, right? Because 82 games is a different animal. 82 games are like, I'm not going to go take a run at you of 82 games and then all of a sudden oh I got to get on a plane and guess what we you're on Dallas now we're playing Anaheim tomorrow so you know it does nothing it does nothing for my team as far as softening up the Dallas Stars they're gone in the playoffs though you extract the toll and it means every time every time their top defenseman has a puck you you hit him clean or whatever but those kinds of things because it takes a toll the second game the third game the fourth game and that's where that's where that you saw florida do it to the maple leaf sam bennett all of a sudden what the hell is this he comes out and that seems to be an element they don't have to the same degree as those teams that win the stanley cup it's not you have to be a goon not whatever but in the playoffs that becomes a real important piece uh, so one-year deals, Gord, for Klingberg, Domi, and Bertuzzi. Uh, why do you think one-year packs for uh, each of those players was right for each of the player, uh, each of the players, excuse me, but also uh, for the franchise? I think probably in the players' point, they think they can get more. So, and I'm fine with it on the team point. So I think everyone's looking for that. Um, is next year finally the year? I kind of, you know, chuckled when Ken Holland when he moved Kyler Yamamoto. He said, "Well." You know, we signed him last year, but who expected the cap to be flat again? I felt like saying, we all did, Ken. Okay, we've kind of known it there. We're waiting for that that breakout year, which they believe, you know, could be next year. So I think I think that's part of it. They want to show what they can do. They want to go back out in, you know, and, and maybe get more money or more term in a different environment. I will say, I mean, I'm, I mean Klingberg, they needed the one right shot D, so I was, I was happy with that. The forwards, the one-year contracts, let's go back to when the pandemic started, and Taylor Hall. He was kind of the first victim, if that's what you want to call it, that he, he didn't get the money. 
The money wasn't there. The cap went flat. Alec Petrangelo got the money. The defensemen still get the money. A lot of people were, were applauding Justin Hall being out of town now. He got decent coin with the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Like, the defensemen still got decent coin more so than the forwards. So I think both in the case of Bertuzzi and Domi, a lot of teams wanted them. Uh, not a lot of teams have cap space. And whatever, whatever little amount they have, they, pri- they prioritize the defenseman over a forward. Is there something to be said about players that also know that this is a big year for them, a big contract year, a bet-on-yourself type year when you look at Bertuzzi and Domi and, and like specifically the fact that the cap is going up? Like, Do you think that gives a little bit extra oomph or um, idea that they really want to prove themselves this year? Yeah, you know, I think that's a factor. You always got to say, well, no, they're always playing 100% all the time. But I do think being in a contract here a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. can add that element. And that's why even use William Nylander, for example, like and use Connor Hellebuck, for example, with the Winnipeg Jets, that, you know, if you retain the player, you kind of go, okay, hey, we're going for it, okay? We're, you know, we're going for it. And if we're going to lose them at the end of the year, that's one thing to lose them if we made it to the Stanley Cup final. It's another thing if we've made one playoff series win in seven years or whatever it is right so at some point it's not the end of the world to, you know because then all of a sudden like Pasternak in Boston and McKinnon and Landeskog in Colorado you know that the player's more prone to stay so I, I don't I don't mind that about guys becoming UFAs because they want to they want to have their very best year when they're their UFA year so now you, you, you have a few of them you added all of one year contracts and say potentially hypothetically you could have a guy like Nylander. Talking to Gord Stellick, um, obviously our guy, Leafs Nation um, and former Maple Leafs GM. So uh, Klingberg was somebody that did that, didn't cash in, and is now getting another year uh, to kind of bet on himself. But the idea of Klingberg that we've heard is that he's a very offensive defenseman and maybe not the most defensive defenseman. So do you think that defense is the next um, area of improvement that, that the uh, Maple Leafs might look at and will they be able to be defensive enough? Yeah, well, and, and and Brad for living in Calgary did a lot of a lot of moves around the D. If you look at it, just a lot of a lot of different moves. It seemed to be, seemed to be what he focused on. So, yeah, yeah. What, what is the Leaf D? I mean, can we get Morgan Riley playing like he did in the playoffs? I mean, and and like he's done for a lot of his career, but not necessarily um, consistently over regular seasons of late. Uh, what what is a Lilligren? Uh, Brody has been really constant, but he he appeared to be he appeared to be human at times in the playoffs uh you know you still got McCabe from Chicago you know on and on and on and and so I think that there is whether you're adding or whatever it may be I think there there's a look there that and Justin Hall let's face it it was time to go it just was it was a nice story that I mean the guy salvaged his career after being in the press box for almost an entire season but you know he just he just had to go and I and th- this to me this is to me is the one where the one guy that hurts I just thought Luke Shen played that role great you know just now who knows maybe maybe he doesn't play it again uh in in Nashville I don't know maybe this was kind of a one-off that he rose to be a a great a solid core 4d but I I agree I think that the the, the D the D needs to get a little bit better overall. So I'm sure you'll agree, Gord, that Ty Domi's kid being uh, a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs is pretty cool. Uh, but I, I was talking, or we were talking uh, in the previous block about, you know, maybe this wouldn't have worked five, six years ago. Maybe it would have been too much for the Domi family, too much too much for Max uh, to be a member of the Maple Leafs and to try to fill the shoes that, of course, or the skates that Ty Domi wore for so long uh, with the Maple Leafs. Uh, do you think now is a good time for Max Domi to be a Leaf? And, uh, you know, is Ty going to ever leave Scotiabank Arena? Like, what's the vibe going to be with Ty now that Max is going to be wearing the same jersey that he did? 
Well, it shows how long ago I was general manager that I was GM when we drafted Ty Domi in the second round. So that's how far back. But I, mm-hmm. uh, I think you make it interesting. Like, even though Max, you know, play, had success with the Canadian national team, he's um, he's. He's always been a, a guy that's kept things in perspective. He understands the spotlight. He's enjoyed the spotlight. He seemed to want to play in the big places, you know, played in Montreal, seemed to embrace that opportunity. But you're right, maybe maybe early on that wouldn't have been the right deal. But I just think, you know, he's a guy that would just love coming here. I think I think his dad, well, his dad's everywhere. His dad's were any big celebrity. How is his dad friends with everybody? He like, is such a celebrity. Yeah. I don't know. His his. I would like to look at his contact list. Like, how does he know all these people? I know. Like, whatever. There's, you know, I don't know, Tom Brady. There's yeah. whatever. Just, there's Ty. How, would, how do you have all the time to be with all this? But anyway, he'll be probably in Toronto uh, a lot more. I think he's based out of New York now. But anyway, I, I, I know. Uh, and of course, the Max's story about you know that he uh, battling, uh, being able to successfully deal with diabetes and, and and changing his number to Bobby Clark's number in junior because Bob, that's what Bobby Clark did all mm-hmm. those years ago or all those decades ago. And uh, I I really you know like and again the, the Bertuzzi name as well. I mean these are like you ask guys like Gary Roberts and some of these guys at the end of their career, Curtis Joseph and whatever. You know they came back to the area where they grew up and it kicked ass. Okay. Mm-hmm. It kicked ass. Like, they always say, hey, we had some of the one Stanley Cups elsewhere. But the experience, especially to be able to come back later, is a real, real positive. And Joe Newendike's another, whatever. They were, so that's where you can kind of look at Bertuzzi and Max Domi kind of in a similar light. Do you think that Max tries to get number 28 from Sam Lafferty or he wants to start anew and then get a different Domi jersey? Well, if he wants to fight Lafferty he probably wins yeah. right get him a Rolex too maybe <laughs> but, but yeah the, the Rolex the infamous Rolex I don't see anyone wearing it well the wear if it's the wear nice watches you're right you're right but anyway uh, I I think that yeah you want to probably not have your dad's number <laughs> in that but that's an interesting notion a lot of people with vintage jerseys would be happy though like I already yes. see Domi 28 jerseys mm-hmm. and it's just like they just don't have to buy another one they're expensive I you know I, I remember coming out of Montreal we were uh, we were there when the Leafs were a couple of years ago and there's a guy with an Alan Bester jersey. You just kind of go, oh my God, like that's, you know, that, that's loyalty or, or that's or that's craziness. I don't know what it is, but you're right. You're right. How many have that, that, that the son uh, actually with the same name, you can bring that jersey out like 30 years later. So what do you think's next, Gord? Uh, clearly something has to work or something has to happen for the cap to work. I don't know if that's going to be Jake Muzzin, whether Matt Murray's facing a buyout or a trade, uh, but it feels like Brad Living still has to work at this roster in order for it to be complete do you think there's, uh, you know, another free agent addition to make to shore up either one of the lines in the middle six or the defensive core? Uh, and there might be a trade with a guy like William Nylander if he refuses to budge on the contracts that's being uh, that's uh, being tabled to him. Uh, do you think something's uh, in the holster here for Brad Living? Do you think, or what do you think the next move may be to come? Yeah, no, I, well, he's done some... He's, I don't want to call it heavy lifting. I think he's done some good lifting. Lifting, Like, it's good that he got some pieces done. It's kind of like, you know, Craig Conroy being a new GM in Calgary. He's got a few pieces. He moved the Toffoli piece to New Jersey so he can look at some other things. And, you know, True Living's kind of in the same boat. Uh, I think you know, the belief is Muzzin will go on long-term injury, so... That's unfortunate. Um, the money that it saves is not unfortunate. The Matt Murray situation, um, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing Kyle Dubas' uh, unfortunate legacy is, is Peter Morazic and Matt Murray and having to try to get out of uh, injury-prone goaltenders' contracts. And Matt Murray's actually played well in Ottawa, played well in Toronto, but he gets hurt too much. And if you get hurt too much, that's a problem. One real, you know, I'm thinking, when's the last time you went into a season with Matthew Nyes and Joe Wall, that you have two 
looks like quality pieces that will be on entry-level contracts. So that takes a lot of pressure off because they, you know, Matthews and Marner and Nylander, when they came, all of them were on entry-level deals. So the cap, man, it was the Wild West. You could do whatever you wanted to and actually probably got yourself in trouble later on with like with the Patrick Marlowe situation when you got over the cap. But early on, that gives you that kind of relief. So that's one big plus for the Leafs and for Brad Treliving. I think uh, uh, Matthews, uh, he seems to say he wants to sign a contract. You want to get that done sooner rather than later because you don't want that lingering heading into the season because it's going to be a huge distraction where Nylander, it wouldn't bother me. You know, we've got to find out, are you going to be able to trade him? Uh, does he re-up or do you go into the season with him as starting off as a UFA? So these are the kind of things that he's got to look to figure out. Gord, the text line's been blowing up since you came on. So the people love you and we love having you on. Uh, we appreciate you taking some time this morning. Well, thanks, and great kind of working on technically a, a holiday, but no holiday in this business. <laughs> and I'm going to go play that grid game, okay? Yes. I'm gonna, you, uh, go. you, give me the, you give me the link, and I'm <laughs> yeah. going to go play it, okay, we guys? For sure. Good luck. Lightning okay. Islanders is a tough one. <laughs> well, anyway, great chatting with you. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks, uh, Gord. Thanks, Gord. Uh, we appreciate Gord Stella coming on, of course, co-host of Lease Nation on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the former Maple Leafs GM who uh, helped draft Ty Domi. Yes. Wow, throwback. Um, Ty was a... I was in the Darcy Tucker fan base growing up, but mm-hmm. I liked the little Ty Domi. I liked the tough guys. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. It'll be fun. I can't we're, wait for the montage. Back, we're getting back to that now. When it's made official and the Leafs get to pump out some social media, it'll be montage, little Ty, or little mm. Max watching Ty. It'll be, it'll be cute. It'll be nice. They'll have lots to lean on. Have your Ryan Graves in Pittsburgh. We'll take our tough guys back in yeah, Toronto. That works. Blue collar, workmanlike. <laughs> Let's go. Um, okay. I missed it. Because now it's time for something to chew on brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. I did chew on a lot of fried chicken. Did you? I did. And I one went to per, that place, Hattie Bees. I went to Hattie Bees. Everybody was messaging me about, and I will. What's the review? Should I do something to chew on first? Or should oh, I be chewing on this? Okay, I want to make sure that part of the chew. Great Canadian Meats is happy. But yes, I did have Hattie Bees. And the text line did give me a heads up when I was there in Nashville that they go a level. Their spice level is like an added level of spice. So if I like medium wings, which I do, I don't go there and ask for medium wings because that's really like super hot. So I went to the front and I said, I'd like a mild hot chicken sandwich. And the guy was like, you can't, no, don't. You need at least medium. And I was like, please, I've heard about you guys. I know you're going to burn my mouth. I've heard about you And he's like, trust me, it's fine. Get medium. So I'm eating medium. There's photo evidence of this. And my mouth was hurting. It was spicy, but I could handle it. But it couldn't have been one ounce spicier. I don't know how the spice scale goes, but I'm going by ounces. And then the guy came over and was like, how's it going? I was like, it's delicious. It's good. He's like, what if I gave you the hot tender, the hottest hot? Wait, wait, wait. To you try. Just, you're just hanging out at like a They're restaurant. They're so like nice. Giving you They're so free, nice down there. Southern hospitality is real. All right. He's like, I know it's your first time. Like, would you like to try the ghost hot mouth burning off? And I said, yeah, sure. The ghost hot mouth burning that's off. That's exactly. Okay. I, that, that's I don't know what it's called. On but the menu, that that's bad. what it is. All right. And so he brought over a, for, on the house a tender that was the level of spice that you cannot like legally, you probably should sign a waiver. And it, I had the smallest morsel. Mm. And honestly, Justin, I was coughing and I thought my throat was going to close up. It's a type of hot that made my insides like hurt and boil. It was absolutely scary. Was it a Scoville unit? Is that what it is? It probably. So kudos and shout out to the people that can handle that and to Daddy Beats for giving me a free look at what death would feel like in my mouth. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, it's time for something chew on brought to you by Great Canadian Meats again. Mm, yum, 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 yum. Ooh, oh, that's how that's how I felt trying to inhale that. Um, how death would feel like in my it mouth. It was very good. something special. So if you can eat that and survive, I, I we need to chat. Alec Manoa on the rise. Okay, so I know that we all saw the terrible stat line for it was like eleven ERA in one inning. This was like a week ago. Well, he started for Double A New Hampshire Fisher Cats last night, and he's looking good, folks. He's looking good. Just one run over five innings, uh, three hits, ten Ks, lots of strikes being lots thrown. Lots of strikes. Well, good amount of strikes. He was looking good, looking confident. I did see some. I was not watching this. I don't know where you can watch this on some sort of pirated stream uh. but i did see lots of people that were there and posting video of alec manoa and he had a little pep in his step when he jumped off the mound we do have a clip from manoa okay about the process and how he's working through this challenging journey and so we might be seeing alec manoa sooner than later uh, it's been a lot of ups and downs um and i think you know just uh being able to figure figure everything out and understand that there's a lot of people that are rooting for me um having a great support system you know around me and um, and also understanding there's a lot of people that, that like to kick me when I'm down. Um, and that's good because um, that means a lot of people want to see me down. That means they don't want to see me come back up. And I'm ready to come back up. I'm ready to, to be a tiger. I'm ready to be a horse on that mound. And I'm ready to help, you know, our team win, you know. So, um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, I've learned through this whole thing is you can kind of get down on yourself. You can, you can think you're not good. Um, you can get emotional about it, but nobody cares. You just got to go out there and compete. Um, you know, and when you're back against the wall, don't lay down. Just, just keep fighting. A lot of motivation being taken from the Twitter feed, sounds like. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, not that he's had it easy, because clearly he hasn't. We don't know what his mentions look like. I'm sure that the rate limit might be exceeded. <laughs> oh. that That's okay for Mignoa, or at least it was okay. It mm-hmm. would have been okay if it had happened uh, then, uh, but I think there has been a lot of support. I think there's been a good amount of support as well, but hopefully he uses what he needs to use, whether it's the fire from people, you know, kicking dirt on him or whatever. I, I did worry about his mental space and to hear him sound positive after a positive outing is dually encouraging, right? Yep. Because you need to see it on the mound, but you also need to be convinced that he's, you know, ready or taking steps towards being ready to contribute at this level again, because as much as it was physical, uh, issues, it seemed like the mental thing was there as well. So it's already the MLB All-Star break next week. Um, so that's a nice bit of time. Um, I would not at this point, if he's already starting double-A, having a good go, seems like they're really like, he skipped what, single-A? He just kind of jumped up after that really bad outing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything I was about su- single-A. I was surprised that he already didn't started. have another FCL start, yeah. to be honest. So now we're at the point where he's starting double-A. Does he get another start in here, triple-A, have the MLB also break it. Do we see him in July? We yeah, might. I mean, I definitely think we're going to see him. I definitely think we're going to see him sooner than later. I would like to see another encouraging start in the minor like, league. So wherever it is, it. it doesn't even matter. Honestly, the biggest thing he here is... If feels comfortable with double A, just do it again. The biggest thing here is patience. Like, And I bet it's probably really hard for him too because you just have a good outing. You feel confident. You're going to want the ball. Like he, he, as he said, must be a tiger, a horse. He named every animal in the zoo. He wants to be this yeah. ferocious guy, but you also need to think <laughs> like you can't be thrown into yeah. the fire too early. Okay. So take, take the time it's needed because we want Alec Benoa good, not just this year, but next year and moving forward. 
And I kind of like the idea of the six-man rotation if he does come up because maybe mm. it lightens the load on him a little bit. And, and everybody else. puts Kevin Gosman in a position and puts Yusei Kikuchi in maybe a better position to be at his best. But then you look at what happened over the weekend with the bullpen and you're like, uh, can you really continue to stretch things then? Like maybe the Manoa thing is now having its effect where Eric Swanson's out there mm. all the time and is pitching way more than he ever has and he's blowing up a little bit. And Jordan Romano, obviously there's a lot on his shoulders, but we knew there was going to be. It just seemed like it seems like the bullpen's running out of gas a little bit. So Manoa coming back, obviously important, but how you massage this whole thing, that's also going to be of paramount importance as well. Okay, we're going to take a break and do winners and losers. We still have Frank Saravalli joining us at 8. Uh, we'll get the real scoop on where the Leafs are what's at. With what's Max. next? Tell me what's next. I did see Frank in real life, IRL, at Jason Aldean's. I need a Frank story. Uh, what's hmm. Frank like Frank was eating a hot chicken. Habitat. Did you not see him on the broadcast? I did see that. And I asked him what about it. was the it. Scoville unit there? I could ask him which level he had because he was... He was also coughing and choking mm-hmm. on the hot chicken. So we'll have Frank at eight and then we'll have Will Lou to wrap up the show. Uh, special two hour edition of the Raptor show coming today. Crazy at 10 a.m. Crazy. He's got some special edition guests. I mean, a lot okay. happened with the Raptors this weekend and we're going to get Will's thoughts before his special edition. And the rest. it's like a pre pregame show of the Raptors show. That'll be at 8 30. We'll take your wake and rake picks too. It's Wimbledon, Wimbledon season. And guess who's already in the text line? Neil. He I, didn't, knows. I didn't have Neil all last week. Yeah, because just scraping he the bottle of was mourning for my loss, and I'm back. Neil's back. All right. Wake and Rake will be back. Thanks, Neil. Winners and losers after the break. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Winners and losers. Winners, y'all sleeping in. It's a holiday. Winners, Justin and I for Wait, did you just, the dream. Did you just uh, naturally yeah, throw a right. y'all in? Was that a... I had a couple of y'alls in there. Isn't that now part of your lexicon? That's right. The y'all? I'm a little that was. I don't know. Hard. I don't know if you... Like, it was kind of... Excuse me. I lived in the United States for four years. Everybody says y'all and you don't even realize. They don't have to be in Tennessee. Maybe, maybe that was the real y'all. And the one that I've, like, tried or heard other mm. people try to use was the fake y'all. That's right. It just, when it comes out naturally, I did realize, I said, people notice a lot when you said A, like yeah. I was in an Uber. And I Who's was like, noticing that? The Ubers. They okay. immediately were like, you're from Canada. Wait, isn't it one street? Why, what are you Ubering around From for? the airport. Okay. Both times. I heard a, I heard a, <laughs> oh, we must be Canadian. They, they really pick up on an A. They probably heard a lot of A's. Yeah, they did. Uh, it was like the descending of hockey writers and Canadians onto Nashville this past week. Yeah, hockey media, winners or, or losers. Ailish. I think that everyone left mostly a winner because it was a wonderful time. Nashville, those of you that messaged me about Nashville before I went, you underestimated or under... Undersold it? Undersold it. It is a fairy tale land. <laughs> Really? It is like a Disney for adults. I, okay, but yeah, but I, you're not like the person who loves like, you know, 3 a.m., no, knock them down, drag them out. That's not your thing. But that's what I did what like was being able to walk into any establishment, not pay cover, okay. 
and walk up floor after floor to hear different live music that I swear to you, Justin, everybody could be a Grammy winning mm-hmm. artist. Everybody is incredible. You could have sat there and listened to music for hours and hours and hours and people do. And you're just, it's so good. And that's why you and, all lost your voices, right? Because yeah. you're here, you're having to yell over you, honestly, actual you good never music. spoke at a regular volume. Mm. You were always screaming. I lost my voice. Day one. How much were you freaking out when you realized I got like a four-hour broadcast and I can't speak? Yeah, that, we didn't really touch on the broadcast. Yeah, well, I did. Yeah, like how let was me the give broadcast? You the, let me give you the fun stuff first. I mean, the okay. broadcast was fun, but it doesn't work. I'm just gonna let you just see the floor to you. But honestly, so you walk in any place you want and it's free. Like Toronto should take notes, but then the drinks are literally three times the price of regular drinks. So you kind of yeah, really expensive. in Toronto? No, three times Nashville. in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, it's expensive. For really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very much, and it's American money. Wow. So it hits you. Okay. You look at that AMX statement the next day. Um, I will say wonderful in terms of the location of the arena. You open your the door of the arena and you are on Broadway. You are in Tootsies. You don't even have to think twice. Your body just takes you there. Yeah. It's, it's like the wind takes you The inside, wind yeah. blows you into the rooftop of Jason Aldean's. It just it happens. There's something in the air there and in the water. Beautifully structured city. Honestly, you you land 20 minutes to downtown. Everything is walking distance. Everything. The NFL stadium to the arena, to the bars, to the hotels. Immaculate. Dangerous, really. Dangerous. Mm. Met a lot of really wonderful folk that said great things about our show. And they listened. And I got their information to have them on the show. They said, anytime. I'm okay. Anytime. How about 630? Spectacular. <laughs> you said it? Well, I remember. Follow up. It was very fun. Um, the actual work part of the trip was also great. On Monday night, I got to host the uh, little social stuff for sports and on the red carpet. And I got to say, coolest outfit I've ever worn in my life. It was yeah, so you, cool. I, I had to give you your flowers. You went after it. That was a very, like, you could have went, I don't know, something no. pretty stock. Go big or go home. You, you, there was no way people were walking by you. Like, you no, were no. you were wearing the thing that was like, oh, this is the sports net. That's the sports net person. This is where I need to be because I'm doing an interview because my name's Connor McDavid and I'm getting interviews. It was interviews. cool. It was really cool. Shout out to Sportsnet style Deb for helping Debbie me. Debbie Deb. Helped Nailed me it. fit that. That was not something that I owned. So, Got the cool outfit, was on the red carpet. The NHLers are walking by. We grabbed them. We get about a minute with them. And I said to you on the Friday before I left, my goal was to make Connor McDavid smile because that is a task that not many can handle. And I did, and I made him laugh. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I could have hung my hat on my career right there. Without seeing it, I guaranteed it was better than the interview we saw live on the air with Connor, That's which was, ex- a, which I would was say that a little is, tough. I would say that the carpet... That would hurt me a little bit. The carpet was a bit more um, tolerable than the awards. It was a bit cringy. And you're, you know, twice the broadcaster that Dirk Bentley's mm-hmm. kid is, at least. In age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's trying. Yeah, yeah, he's trying. I saw Dirk's and I said, I was at your concert in Toronto. We gave away tickets. He didn't care. No. Uh, But that was really, really awesome. Loved the red carpet experience. It was super fun. And then on Wednesday, Colby and I hosted like a three-hour live live YouTube show on our Sportsnet YouTube page. And, you know, the first you're treading water for a little bit, waiting to get people. We're not, you know, experts on every draft pick. And there wasn't a lot of chaos to start other than maybe Fantilli going third, but it wasn't really chaos. And as soon as the players started coming on, that was awesome. That was the coolest thing I've done in a long time. You get the players, as soon as they come off the stage, they have their hat on, they're so fired up, they got their jersey, and they come sit down with Colby and I, and it's just authentic experience, throwing a mic in their face, how's it going, what are you feeling, what was it like walking there, and you just saw so many real emotions from these kids 
like they haven't gone through the NHL media training yet. So they were like, this is crazy. I can't believe it. It was awesome. Awesome. Did yeah. Connor Bedard come through? He did. He, he was did? in, this was crazy. So he came to us first. And how did I miss that? I don't know. I, like, definitely, watch, I definitely watched the first seems like, like you hour and 90 minutes. Okay. Seems like you were watching. I was like, I got to put together a doc here. He came to our uh, table and sat yeah. down and I looked at the cameras and I swear to you, Justin, there must have been 400 hungry media members that swarmed our set mm. and were like watching sudden, us. Yeah, an audience like, there. Watching us. Like, what are they going to say? And they couldn't really hear because we weren't on like a loudspeaker. We were just going live on YouTube and they were really, really interested. And there's a photo, I looked on Getty, and it's of me, Colby, and, um, and Connor, and we're putting this cowboy hat on him. It's cool. I mean, you should post it, actually. There you go. It was really, really cool. He's awesome. Everybody was great. Um, very authentic experience. If you, I think it's still on YouTube, so go watch it. Uh, so big winner is Ailish Forfar then. But if you had to anoint one more winner from Nashville, it could be Connor Bedard. It could be mm. anyone. It could be a media member who just had themselves a ton of fun at Jason Aldean's <laughs> over and over and over again. Is there another winner to, p- to pick hmm. from the festivities in Nashville. Can I just say the city of Nashville? Sure. Because not, I think they they also had a lot of fun. But then they got they got some good players. Like I, I feel like, honestly, players went to Nashville and thought, I want to play here. Really? Yeah. Like you're talking about Luke Shannon and Ryan O'Reilly? Well, I think that they really made a name for themselves in terms of vibes. Didn't work out for Matt Duchesne. True. I don't know. I have to think about who was a winner. Okay. That's fair. Me. I mean, Kyle from Chicago was a winner. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That was really cool. Definitely. Kyle from Chicago. If you yeah. haven't seen, like, Kyle. Yeah, he had a, he had a good week. He I had think. a good week. So yeah. Chicago and Kyle from Chicago, who's obviously the GM. Mm-hmm. Anyway, big win. Thanks. That was really fun. I hope we get to go again. Next year, it's in Vegas. So That'll be another good one. Got to get. And the only difference might be that the up. drinks are even more expensive. Yeah. Because they're okay. not cheap in Vegas. Winners and losers, um, besides my stories. Uh, okay, I'll go with Fred VanVleet as the biggest winner, I think, yeah. of the weekend. Uh, $130 million for a guy, again, we know the story, undrafted, you know, making $500,000 a paycheck now when he made $500,000 in his mm-hmm. first year. We know all that stuff. But a very small niche that he carved out here, right? Because it's not, he's not a max, he is a max player. Maybe he's a max player. In some circles, he might be a max player. But a guy who... I would have never been like, oh, Fred deserves $44 million a year. But because Houston's in the stage that they're at, he carved himself out this little window where the Houston Rockets can give him all the money while they wait to give the other players who are going to be the best players on the team all the money later on. So Fred has strategized this beautifully. He may have leveraged the Raptors in his uh, efforts doing so, but him finding this little window to maximize his career earnings to the extent that no one ever probably thought was possible Fred Van Vliet's a huge, huge winner, even if it comes to the expense of this city. Was him. Yeah. He's the only person that thought this was possible. Like, his whole life was about bet on herself. He wasn't drafted. He had this draft party where he says, like, it's not going to be it for me. Like, I'm going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And he found a way to be that resilient guy that always believed that he would get to this point, whether you did or not. I uh, wanted to read his post um, because I thought it was really nice as well. Uh, obviously, he's like a fan favorite forever here. Uh, Worth can't do justice to how thankful I am to the city that watched me grow from a young kid, praying for a chance to an NBA champion, all-star, and a father of three. I am forever indebted to the franchise that gave me a shot when no one else would. We built things together that can never be broken and accomplish things that will that will stand forever. I went from I went from the fans not knowing who I was to fan favorite to most hated with a little emoji. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm thankful for every second of it. To the city, franchise, and country that watched me grow every step of the way, thank you. Very, you know, he pokes some fun. And then guess who comments? Maybe in my loser's column. Drake. But why is he a loser? Well, this is when he comments. My lookalike. The love is forever. Thank you for your character and your contributions over the years. The city I will never forget. Good luck with everything on the Guangdong Dragons. I mean the Rockets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't know. I, don't know I, I don't know if I should touch that. But, you know, him making fun of where he's yeah, going yeah, yeah. is... Uh, I, guess yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a shot between friends. Okay. Uh, well, I forgot I had a winner um, from the draft. I wrote it down in my notes. So I just asked you. I know. I just remembered. Okay. Okay. The very, very, very last pick of the NHL draft. So we were not really covering at this point. You're just in and around. You're watching it, whatever. Tyler Peddle. Peddle? P-E-D-D-L-E. I think it's Peddle. Looks like Peddle. Yeah. Um, he sat there in the stands for the entire round one and round two and round three and round four and round five. And anyway, to the very, 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 very last pick of the draft. And he happened to be there. Not, not all the time are the kids there. And he was waiting to hear his name called. And he was the final, final pick. And it was really, really sweet to see. Um, like his whole family was there. Unbelievable to see the kid get drafted, the very last pick. Very sweet story. So he was a winner because there's people that won't get drafted at all, Fred Wembley. Um, and not to say that you're pick 224, you're going to make an NHL career, but just to sit there and have your name called was a really nice special So moment. he was up near the rafters? Oh, yeah. Was he sitting beside Easton Cowan? No, but... Uh, what What was the vibe, what was the vibe around, what was the vibe around Easton Cowan? What were people saying about when Easton Cowan? When he was drafted... It was loud. It was... I happened to be Were you like, on the air when it was No, no. We had actually just gotten off, and I was upstairs in like one of the suites just getting our stuff together. And they must have been below, right below where our suite was, because there was this roar of people, and it was his family right there. Mm. They were up high. Oh, yeah. Which is why I was beside them, basically, in the suite. And I think everybody was kind of like, what? And then I feel like the broadcasters are kind of scrambling, like, all right, let me get the papers out the <laughs> east of Cowan. This is my, uh, what was it? This is my Thursday note. Yes, <laughs> package. yes. Yeah, the, for rounds two through seven. Honestly, I think the vibe was like, this is... This is different. I you don't want to. You don't want to. I don't know anything about the draft picks. Like I didn't watch this guy play hockey, so I'm not going to be quick mm-hmm. to judge. But then you start pulling up everybody's rankings, and he's not ranked in that area. So you start to get, oh, what's this mean? But then you do some research, and there's a history there, and like maybe there's something well, that's better. Why, that's why you couch it, right? Because you don't just know. like you do you on don't really day know. one of free agency. <laughs> exactly. I just thought there might be some real hot takes at Jason Aldean's. There were Easton some hot Cowan. takes because all the Toronto media are like, like gathering together. Like, what do you know about Easton? It's like, I don't know. I must have <laughs> saw something I didn't see because I went to all his games. It's have like, you okay, been to one London Knights game this year? Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone did. Not anyone at Aldean's at least. No. Uh, I got a random winner. Okay. Bernard Longer. That's random. <laughs> okay. He won the U.S. Senior Open. Oh, yeah. I saw this actually. 46th victory on the Champions Tour. So this is, you know, old guys mm-hmm. doing old guy things on the golf course. 46th victory on the Champions Tour, becoming the winningest senior golfer of all time. He only won three times on the PGA Tour. He's got 46 wins as a, gol- a professional golfer in the 50-plus range. Shout out to the GOAT, Bernard Long. The GOAT. <laughs> the GOAT among older GOATs. So he's like aging like Senior fine goat. wine. Yes. So Imagine you, that, like having the best part of your career. When you're like, what is it? How old is he? After 50, he's, uh, he's got to be in the 60s now. If he's won 46 times, he's, got, he's been on this tour for what a while. What's his name again? Bernard Longer, and he's just dominating. 
just dominating. He, he is. He might be the most dominant athlete. He's 65 years old. Might be the most dominant athlete in golf, we need and to, he's 64 years old. We need to start old. covering him more. I want to be at my best. I want to accomplish 65? the most when I'm after 50. Okay, so just around the corner. And uh, I'm, I'll just cling to that. <laughs> How about uh, Canada Golf? Hadwin and Pendrith right there in the final on the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Too bad couldn't find a stream of it anywhere, but apparently they they did great. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough loss what for year are we us. In? I don't know. Can't find golf on television. Live golf, not available. Uh, yeah, big win. Four years, four months for Ricky Fowler. It's got to be. That's, that was that's, really sweet. He was a big winner. That's big winner stuff. How about women's hockey? We got to get into this. Yes. Because I jump off the plane and my phone's blowing up because the biggest thing that's ever probably happened in women's hockey happened on, was it Thursday night? Pretty late. Yeah. So it's kind of a lot to work through. Obviously, we know the PHF and the PWHPA have been two separate entities for a long time. And we find out that the PHF has been bought by a group that is also with the PWHPA. Um, when you try to break it down, and I will say, you have to go read Haley Salvian stuff on The Athletic because she's always been on this beat. She's doing a really good job at getting through all the pieces because there was a lot of frustration right away that it sounded like the PHF players were just like kicked out of the picture right. by the PHF players. And that's not how it worked. The players weren't like maliciously doing this. Okay. The biggest thing here is that there is going to be one league, and this has been the story and the goal forever, right? I played in one of these leagues. When it when the CWHL folded, it was devastating. We were blindsided, just like this was on Thursday night. So there's a lot of similarities between you get a phone call and your league doesn't exist anymore. The money you had signed as a PHF player, which was, for some people, over $100,000 US. You had mm-hmm. maybe moved overseas or from overseas to here. You might have got a job or turned down job offers. You might have bought a house. Like there's a lot of things that went into the PHF that I feel for the players because now they have a lot of question marks. They don't have the salary and they might not have a future because the PWHPA players that are more in the national team programs will probably take some of these roster spots. Yep. But the big thing, and you zoom out, is this is what was always going, needed to happen was there needed to be one league there's going to be people that, unfortunately, this means they're probably retiring. But if we've all been pushing towards having one professional hockey league, you kind of have to break a couple eggs and make an omelet. And that's... Okay. I like that. But it makes sense. Like, it's not all... We're not all going to be happily... Mm-hmm. There's not going to be enough spots for everyone, which is why I stopped playing a long time ago because I well, I knew my spot was never going to be there. You have to... If you're going to push for this, sometimes you're there's going to be uncomfortable situations that arise. Sports are a meritocracy, right? And if you can like, you know, everyone can, you know, you can have this and that and everyone can be happy doing this and making Mm -hmm. money here and doing that there. But in the end, in order for it to grow, in order for it to be more than six teams one day to maybe have a minor league system to have the proper sporting structure in place so that the game can grow, this, as you mentioned, had to happen. So we are officially labeling... All of this is a winning move. Is this winners and losers? We will look back at this as maybe the biggest moment in Canadian, or sorry, not Canadian, in women's hockey as this groundbreaking move to a league that will be funded for not just a year, a 10-year plan. They have a CBA. This has never happened in women's hockey before. They have investors that are willing to put up money for at least 10 years. There's going to be salaries. There's going to be health insurance. There's going to be maternity maternity leave. There's going to be um, salaries that help with um, moving to new cities, uh, accommodations, health insurance. Like these are things we never had. I literally got paid $2,000 a year as a rookie in the CWHL. And that was it. No, no coverage for health insurance. 
You had to buy your own sticks. Like this was only a few years ago, and I was a ninth overall pick of the league. No big deal. Okay, it was. I mean, yeah, it 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 was. was It was. That's not livable. And now we're getting to the point where this will be a step in the the right direction. And it unfortunately came at the cost of like a lot of uh, frustration and sadness, and and people will have to try out, and they might not make it, and Mm -hmm. that's going to be hard. Yeah, it was a bit difficult trying to sift through all the information at first. And we had Merrick on for about five minutes. And the final question I just had to ask him is like, is this a good thing? Because mm-hmm. we are seeing a lot of dif- uh, discrepancy in like a lot of the conversation, a lot of the discourse online. Some people are, could not get past the fact that people were losing their jobs. Others were like, this is what needs to happen. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, you would be the authority definitely between us. Wanted to talk to you about it. But also Merrick's been all over this mm-hmm. as well. But I almost feel like asking you is more important than asking Merrick uh, because he's reporting on it and seeing, you know, a couple sides of it. But you lived it, unlike and I still am. Like a lot of all of my teammates, my friends, my best friends are part of this journey to create a sustainable league, and they have given up a lot over the last couple of years. They have been mm-hmm. paid really nothing. They have grinded it out. They haven't played in a league because they have been working on this future and now it is right here in their hands and it's going to start in january and there's going to be six teams and mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a point that grows and that's the biggest thing is it needs to be step one of many and the friends you're talking about some of whom play on the women's and you are the sorry the canadian and women and american women's national teams mm-hmm. are going to be available to be seen beyond international that's play it. yeah so kids can watch the best players in the world play not only for country, but also for club. And that's been the thing that has been missing from women's hockey is the best players playing in the league. And again, that's going to come at the expense of people who are not on that level. Yeah. But again, that's what sports is. And now a couple of days later, the PHF has put out a statement and their players are in support of it. And I understand right away it was probably like the biggest shock ever to not have a league. But, but in one day of conversation and unity between these two sides, they're all in for it. It's going to be a massive moment to sign a CBA, to have agreement from everybody in the league. I'm really just proud to be a part of the women's hockey world to see what they've worked hard for since the CWHL folded to now. It took a little bit of time, but I think they've done it right, and I look forward to seeing where it goes from here. And hopefully come January, we've got a way to to cover it every day. I'd love to. I'd love for us to be a part of that. So Perfect. Let's do it. Um, anyway, we have, we can, that's all my winners. Those are the big winners. Those are the big winners. That. Pierre Engvall. <laughs> he's a winner? Seven-year deal, Pierre Engvall. I don't know. Maybe Pierre pops in a couple of years, and he's oh, one of the most underpaid losers. guys in the game. Anyway. I mean, Justin Hall is a big winner. Yeah. Big winner, Frank Saravelli. He joins us after the break, our NHL insider, to get a scoop of what's next for the Bay Police. We know Max Domi's pending. He's just overseas and gallivanting in Europe. So, Where do you think he is? You had to guess. I bet Frank will know. Where in the world is Max Domi? That's next.